CCTGM Voices Project, a podcast highlighting the real people who make up our union, the bakery, confectionery, tobacco workers, and grain millers. I'm Michelle Ellis, Director of Digital Media. I will bring the work of our union to you through monthly interviews with the BCTGM's hardworking leaders, organizers, and everyday members. This is the BCTGM Voices Project. Brothers and sisters, we've done it. The first official episode of the BCTGM Voices Project is here, and I can think of no more perfect person to interview first than John Price, our International Director of Organization. John is like furniture around here. He's been with our union for over 40 years. Uh, 30 of those have been with the International. He was an international rep out of the Midwest for a very long time. And uh, President Durkee appointed John as the organizing director when he became the president in 2012. In this episode, John shares with me about organizing in 2020 with a global pandemic gripping the country. He talks about the general counsel of the NLRB, the National Labor Relations Board of the last four years, which has a tremendous effect on our union elections in the way of delays, intimidation over employees and the types of things that the government will let employers get away with uh, through a union organizing campaign. He discusses some big wins we've had this year as well as a few losses, which as he says in the interview, we never walk away from completely. As you listen, if you like what you hear, you can screenshot the episode, share it on social media, on Instagram or Facebook or Twitter, You can copy the link and text it to a friend or share it in your union uh, Facebook groups and Facebook pages. Um, We would love for you to send us your feedback, however you find it fit. Help us get the word out about our brand new podcast. With that, here is John Price. So, you know, Michelle, I mean, this has been a crazy year with this pandemic. Um, I, I can tell you, we started 2020 out with a nice victory. And as of right now, we'll be ending it with a nice organizing victory as well. Um, In February, late February, when uh, COVID-19 was becoming a household name, we were hearing more and more of it. uh, We actually had an election set with Danone, uh, North America, and they're out of Dubois, Pennsylvania. There's about 150 employees there. Um, the, The thing with Danone it's because of our union density worldwide and being affiliated with the IUF, uh, we have the capability of negotiating really good deals. And, and with the we have one of the greatest neutrality agreements that there, there is out there. Uh, and basically the neutrality agreement states that uh, when one of the IUF affiliates have interest from um, at least 30% of the known employees, um, then we contact the management here in North America uh, we let them know that, you know, we can prove that we have uh, the requisite amount of cards. And of course, you, everybody watching this as part of BCTGM should know that we don't normally file unless we have 65% in authorization cards. And that's because you're, statistically, you're going to lose at least 15% of your card signers in a regular organizing campaign. And when I say regular, I should say irregular. 
because we're the only civilized country in the world uh, that have the craziest labor laws that we do. Um, if you were to go to Canada, where each province is different, um, in Quebec, you just need to get a majority of authorization cards and you're recognized as the union. Um, if you went to uh, Ontario, you have uh, 30, 40% authorization cards, you file them and you have an election within five business days. And I'll get into it a little bit more, but one of the issues we've had here in the States is the delays and, and it's because of politics. Nothing kills an organizing campaign more than delays. It's just that simple. Let me get back and say that we had good news in February uh, 29. We had a two-day election, the 28th and 29th. Um, and uh, we, those workers won that election 97 to 33, I believe it was. And that was a pickup of about 150 new members. And they already have a great first contract. Uh, you know, it took a few months, um, but the contract was ratified overwhelmingly. When then we all got locked down. Uh, most of the governors had stay-at-home orders, and so... Uh, we couldn't get out and, and, and nor did you want to actually get out and, and, and you had to be careful with how contagious this pandemic is. And so uh, one of the things the BCTGM did with the organizing department, as you know, along with your department, uh, along with the president's office and research and education, we started working on new tools to use in digital organizing. I mean, let's face it, uh, the world today, everybody works off of their phone. Everything's on the phone. Um, and as much as we thought, or I thought anyhow, that we were ahead of most unions with new technology, having the toolbox and stuff like that, uh, we actually were falling behind somewhat. Um, and, and it's not that we didn't know about certain tools, we just never put a program together. And I'm happy to report that, that we've got a great program put together now with some really, really good tools. Uh, and that comes some, from some really talented people the executive officer is hired this year. Um, you know, most of our organizers now, if they're not bilingual, uh, they know just about everything that needs to be known with social media uh, and these new uh, programs that Microsoft puts out or Google puts out. Um, we finally came out of the stay at home in mid-May. Um, and during the time that we were at stay at home, we were getting contacts hitting our social media site some of them hitting the website um, and, and some the old fashioned way, people talking you know, to other people that work in non-unit facilities. Mm -hmm. So it was kind of letting the, uh, you know, the horse out of the gate. You know, once that gate opened up, boom, we went out and started talking to the people that we were getting contacts with. And what an amazing summer. I mean, it sprung into actually eight organizing campaigns started pretty much you know, in late June, early July. The biggest one was Hearthside Food Solutions in Macomb, Ohio. Um, we've tried uh, two other times back in 2002, and then we had a rerun election that didn't happen in 2011. Um, again, because of our labor laws, it took that, that long for the government to uh, force the company to comply uh, with the Ninth Circuit Court of Appeals order to reinstate a couple of workers and get to an election. And unfortunately, when that much time goes by, you lose your organizing committee, the enthusiasm goes. And in this case, a new owner came in and bought them. And, and it's just natural that the employees wanted to give the new owner a chance. Um, so that election did not go well. In 2011, uh, the workers lost by more than three to one. And, and it was about 840 employees back then. Uh, we never leave, though. I mean, we have a saying that uh, the company has to win them all. 
we only have to win one. And sometimes it takes two, three, four, and five times before the workers finally said, you know what, enough is enough. You know, not to compare the two, but it's like a battered wife that says, you know what, I'm leaving. And this time I'm really leaving. You know, yeah. this time I'm voting yes and I'm really going to vote yes. And sometimes, unfortunately, it takes, you know, workers getting beat up on enough uh, before they finally come through. Um, it appeared up with Hearthside Food Solutions that this may be the year. Um, I was getting all sorts of calls. I got back in contact with the folks I knew from 2011 and on, because like I said, every year I would go up there and talk with workers. They just weren't ready yet. Um, and so we we started forming a committee and, you know, anybody that attends any of our organizing training, you know, the first thing we tell you to do is start forming an inside organizing committee. You cannot win an election without the inside organizing committee. It's, the campaign actually takes place in that plant. It's what their peers are gonna be doing and saying. Um, the other thing is it's not an even playing field. Anyone who's been involved in organizing understands that we are on the outside. Um, you know, They will not let us come in and talk to the people. And management and their high priced union busters um, have these employees 24 seven. Now, normal elections, it would be 42 days. So you try to inoculate the workers of this is what the company's going to say and do. You give them the facts. You get to learn their issues and you run the campaign on their issues. You don't play defense. You play offense. Um, in, in, a, in, a, in a target like Harside Foods where you have, in this case, I didn't say, there was 1,200 people. We went from 840 to 1,200 people. Um, when we started signing cards, we thought it might have went up to 900. So we, we figured the target uh, would be 500 cards. And, and we ended up filing in August with 550 cards. Okay. Again, it's the delay tactics, though. We filed that petition on August the 5th. Uh, they just counted the vote last week. And so you're talking three and a half months went by. And what an employer can do in them three and a half months? I mean, in this company hired three full-time union busters that were on the floor 24-7. Yeah. And you got to understand the overwhelming majority of these places that we're trying to help the workers at have no idea what the unions about, hey, let alone what our organization's about. You know, they may have heard about some other unions. You always hear, oh, well, that wasn't a good union. They don't know about the BCTGM and the great record that we have and the good contracts that we bring for our members. Um, and so during that three and a half months, these union busters really worked hard on the employees on the floor. Then, you know, fear is the biggest obstacle. The biggest union busters out there, Marty Levitz is the godfather of union busting. And he always said that his job is easy. You know, he makes millions of dollars because he knows fear is already inside the facility. It's just capitalized on that. You know, let's face it. When people call us, they're mad. You know, they know they need to organize and get a contract. But when a company says you can lose what you have now, or if there's a threat of being terminated, then that worker says, you know what, things are bad, but if it was really, really that bad, maybe I just quit. Or it's bad, but I don't, I'm afraid I'm gonna lose something. And that's how they take the boats away from you. And so it's so important to try to inoculate workers that this is gonna be said and done. And let me tell you, I had a great team up at Macomb. They did all that. They inoculated the heck out of workers. Again, you're talking 1,200 people, some of them working 12 hours, some working eight hours, you know, um, and, and you may educate them one day and then the, the management and union busters come out with some lowdown uh, BS um, and then you don't get the opportunity to talk to that person again. Again, that's why it's so, so important to get a strong committee 
start building that foundation up right. And yeah. always try to get your list first too. You want a list built. But let me just run through the elections we had this year and some of the obstacles. <laughs> so the known election was the first one and because of the neutrality agreement, it's a case in point, if management stayed out of it, almost all workers would vote yes for the union. I mean, who wouldn't, right? I mean, who doesn't wanna have a say in their wages, benefits and working conditions and secure them in a contract? Yeah. But we know that's not the way it works here in the United States. And union busting, this is the only country where it's a multi-billion dollar business. And so the next election we filed for were a small group called Bungie Milling. And we have a few contracts around the country with Bungie. Uh, and this facility had 28 employees. Uh, we signed up 23 out of the 28. We filed the petition um, the 14th of June, I believe it was. They didn't count them ballots till September 11th. We went from 23 card signers. In fact, I think a couple of our organizers got a, a couple more cards before we actually got to vote. Um, but because three months went by, the employer did a job on it. Mm -hmm. And so um, this is where politics are involved too. I mean, the current National Labor Relations Board, which we now call the NLRB, now largely representing business, um, rules, especially with this guy, Peter Robb, who's the general counsel for the board, rules in the employer's favor all the time. Um, and for those old enough to remember the air traffic control strike, Ronald Reagan was president. Everybody, I'm one that believes it too, but that was kind of the downfall of the unions back then. When he, when he fired those strikers, came a big business at the time. Um, Peter Robb, the guy who runs the National Labor Relations Board, the, the head attorney, the head prosecutor, uh, was the attorney for Reagan back then. That's how he's very, very anti-union. It's just that simple. Uh, and instead of representing workers and union rights, he, he represents employers. And, and that's why he has to go. And I'm so happy we have a new president. And I know he's going to put a better general counsel in. You can look at the other departments, too. The Department of Labor, which is being ran by Eugene Scalia. He's the son of Supreme Court Justice uh, Scalia. Um, we don't call that the Department of Labor anymore. We call that the Department of Management. Same thing, you know, same mm -hmm. thing. All, all rulings go, they don't invest. OSHA comes under the Department of Labor and they're not fining or investigating any of this pandemic. I, I mean, thanks to uh, uh, President Trump who signed an executive order forcing meat workers to go to work when the pandemic was run rampant, you know, people died, it cost them their lives. Mm -hmm. uh, and that's the job of the Department of Labor to keep working Americans safe. But let me get off that rant, I'll digress here. <laughs> so after the Bungie election, we, things really picked up, I said, like during the summer um, and um, local 19 out of Cleveland, Ohio got calls from a, a company called Pennsylvania Grain. They make ethanol. And there's about 48 people that work in that plant. And 75% um, of the workers there signed authorization cards. Uh, as a matter of fact, when we filed the petition for Hearthside Food to 1,200 workers, we also filed with PGP at the same time. One went to the Pittsburgh board, one went to the Cleveland board. So PGP got to vote first. They had a manual election, but again, again, because you know, this Peter Robb has control over all the regions, so he's kind of dictating the rules, the delay, delay, delay. They had a manual election and still took almost three months before they got to the vote. And unfortunately, those workers lost that election. 
Um, we filed Jen, at the same time for offside food and I was just they gonna just ask you like how the, uh, you guys are doing a lot more mail-in voting now too, right? It's strictly all mail just about. Let me say with Bungie, cause it was only 28 people and we had 23 out of 28 signed up. We wanted to get to a quick election. So we agreed to stipulate with the company to have a manual election. And the company, of course, has to present to the, the region, the labor board, uh, all the mechanisms to, to, to prove that it will be safe. It'll be a safe election. And, you know, they'll be using different pens. They'll have their distances. There'll be plastic up and all that stuff. Okay. Both sides agree, but the labor board, the regional director said, no, we're going to do a mail-out ballot anyway. Okay. Now, just, let me just touch that you brought that up. Mail-out ballots, we usually do really well with because... On average right now, about 68 to 70% of people who are entitled to vote, vote. So you're looking at like 30% of the people get a ballot and they don't go through the motions of filling that ballot out correctly and mailing it back to the labor board. And there are normally no votes that don't do that. In the case of Harfside, it was a lot of our yes people that got complacent and never mailed their ballots in. Wow. Yeah. So it cuts both ways. Let me just put it that way. Yeah. Okay. So now, you know, we're looking at, uh, uh, we have a win at Bungie. We got a win at uh, Danone. Um, we have a, uh, a loss at HFS and PGP. And then we had another election at another Danone facility in Bridgeton, New Jersey. Uh, and again, uh, because there's no union busters involved, the workers get to see the benefits of joining the union. Uh, we had a pretty active uh, committee in there. One of the good things is we had a retiree um, uh, Kevin from Local 6, who worked in the facility also, and he had the opportunity to educate workers about the union. Um, and that was another blowout, three to one, that the workers won. And that was just back in October. Um, and we'll be getting the negotiations soon for their first contract. Um, so right now we're looking at, um, what, we have two wins and two losses. Um, I'm sorry, we also had an election at Nestle Perina in Hartwell. Uh, Georgia. Uh, okay. That's one where we just won the maintenance workers, brand new facility. Um, we actually started organizing maintenance workers before they were even running any production. Uh, they just wow. started running production. Um, I, I, unfortunately, again, uh, Nestle is a company that we uh, we have leveraged through the IUF. Uh, the Nestle company treats unions really well over in Europe. It's American management. See, American management, you know, when they go through school and stuff, they're taught that unions are bad. Uh, and so, yeah. you know, they're trained in, to do everything they possibly can to convince workers not to form a union. Um, and unfortunately, when we ran the second election with the warehouse workers, um, they fell for the company's BS and, and uh, voted now, unfortunately. Um, after, tomorrow, we have another election. We'll be counting the ballots of 550 people at Blue City Brewing in Memphis, Tennessee. Now, this is not really in our wheelhouse, but word got out about how good the BCTGM contracts are. You know, we represent Kellogg's down there. Um, and so they got a hold of Local 149. Um, at that time, we knew the Teamsters had run an election three years ago, and there were 300 employees there. And so um, the local, along with the help from the international, collected um, 250 cards, something like that, um, and filed a petition for election. Uh, we found out later that they grew to to actually 550. And there's a lot of, you know, the last I was down there and from what I'm getting from our 
international reps, organizers, and BAs is that the enthusiasm is real high. The momentum was really going the union way. Uh, but once again, you don't know on these things, you know, yeah. how much management and their union busters, because they had full-time union busters too, how much they got to them inside that plant. And then the other question is, it's a mail-out ballot. So how many of them are going to return their ballot? Yeah. Um, I, can, I can tell you in every one of the elections, it was 68% or less. As a matter of fact, our election, 65% or less of mail their ballots back. And in that case, we won one, lost one. Uh, and the other one was manual election. The yeah. two... The known elections, both of them were manual that we won. Okay. <laughs> well, it's been a long year. It has. And there's an, actually, there's another one out there, Golden State Foods. Um, I, I, I'm not, you know, I'm kind of holding, crossing my fingers and holding my breath on that one because um, it was a quick one. Uh, I, I guess they came to local 42. Uh, one of the things we do not do is dump cards and file a petition and run election. And, I'm afraid to say that might've happened down there, but uh, once again, 42 is putting their heart into it. They're doing everything they possibly can. And you gotta remember, it always comes down to the workers in the end. It's their decision. Yeah. It's not like the organizer or this union lost that election. I mean, yeah. uh, our organizers yeah. are, are the best. They're, they're trained very well. Um, they have all the equipment uh, to go out and do their job. And in the end, it's up to the worker on how they vote. Yeah. Um, we're yeah. currently also looking at for those watching this is uh, a new program with internal organizing and if you don't work in a right to work for less state then you, you're probably not really uh, familiar with internal organizing but in the right to work for less states uh, employees don't have to be a member of the union but we have to represent them anyway and basically they're free riders you know they don't want to drive the bus they don't want to pay the tolls but by law we have to represent them um I look at it as a fact, you know, that they should all be in the union. It's just that simple. Yeah. And so the locals and the shop stores and those and facilities, you know, have a full-time job every time a new employee's hired to go and educate them about the union and then have them sign up. Um, we're currently putting together a program that will be digitized. It, you know, It'll be a better way to communicate with those uh, potential members. You know, these are people who came in, they started work there, uh, they nobody approached them or for whatever reason, they didn't join the union and they got away with it for six months to a year. And so now you have to go back and convince them because they're thinking, well, I'm, I gotta be represented anyway. You know, yeah. you have to represent. And so um, we're coming up with a lot of new ideas and, and using some new tools and, and we're going to be putting that program together in early 2021. And awesome. I'm kind of excited. I'm, I'm looking forward to that too. Good. Yeah. There's been a couple conversations. Sounds like everybody's got really good ideas too. Um, so just before we wrap it up, is there anything that you want to encourage the group going forward? Uh, like things that they can be doing uh, in order to generate more leads or get their fellow members um, on board? Let me just say, you know, it's everybody, every member's responsibility uh, to get out and organize and they should want to. You know, I, I was talking with the local sixes officer, Hank McKay earlier. And, and uh, you know, we were talking about how much fun it is to organize um, the, the feeling you get, I mean, there's no better feeling than helping workers get the dignity and justice they deserve on the job. 
helping them win that election, helping them get that first contract. But I have to tell you, uh, to get these organizing campaigns started, and believe me, there are a ton of non-union facilities. And for all of our members watching this right now, it's, it's really our obligation to go out there and organize them because that gives us the union density. This is why we have the best contracts in the industry. Yeah. Um, I, I remember coming on international staff, it's been more than three decades now, and we had almost all the bread industry organized, all the biscuit industry organized. And so we set the pattern, we set the rate. Um, and, and the only way you have that union density is to continue to go out and organize. And you have to find contacts. Um, yeah. I just take, for example, in New Jersey, where we just left in Bridgeton, New Jersey, with the gnome, uh, there's a bakery out there called Lysios. There's another one called La Brea. Um, we have contracts with uh, La Brea. Um, they're owned by Arista. And these workers are not being treated well at all. We yeah. know that because we had a person working inside Lysio. And this yeah. person just wanted to get information about OSHA and was fired. And so, like I said, there's no better feeling than helping workers organizing and helping them get their first contract. Yeah. And so I encourage everybody watching this um, to take that leap of faith, you know, go out and talk to a worker um, who, who's not in the union. And most of all, tell them the benefits of being a member of the union. Uh, yeah. And it does start in your own plant, you know. Right. Well, I keep saying like this year, if there's never been an opportunity to like show the difference. Absolutely. Different challenges and extra hoops we've had to jump through. Well, if you don't have anything else, do you have anything else? No, I just, you know, if you have any questions out there, if anybody wants to contact me, I'm on Facebook, or you can go to my email address, jprice at bctgm.org. Um, and I'll be more than happy to answer your questions. Yeah, we also have information. Our organizing page on the website is bctgm.org forward slash organize. Um, pretty simple. Let me see if there's any comments that we can answer real fast. No questions. All right. That's all good. Right. That means they have all the answers. We should have a lot yeah. of campaigns this year. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. All right. Well, thanks for taking the time today. I know you're super busy. Well, thank you. This was fun. All right. All right. See you, John. If you found this content valuable, please consider sharing it on your own social media pages and be sure to tag us. We are BCTGM on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. For more on the activities of the BCTGM, go to bctgm.org.